I'm glad that you're here this morning, and if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2 as we continue in a series that I've titled, Where Do We Go From Here? What do we do now that God has called us to this place, to this place of ministry, this uh, calling that we have as a church with all the collection of gifts and skills and abilities that God has given to us? Where is God leading us from here? And the title of the message today is very simply, Do You See What I See? And I love to look at signs. I, sometimes I look around at some uh, signs that people have put up, sometimes just by accident, signs are just funny. And I found some that I wanted to share with you because signs are supposed to communicate information. They're supposed to be clear, they're supposed to give you direction, they're supposed to give you information, but sometimes they're just a little messed up. I saw one that instead of saying bare feet shoes or barefoot shoes, instead it said our feet shoes. So it went from communicating to a philosophy lesson. Our feet shoes, are they? I don't know. Uh, I saw one sign that said, if attacked by a mob of clowns, go for the juggler. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cute. <clears throat> now you know where Aaron and I get our material from. Um, I saw one sign going into two bathrooms one was men's one was women's so the men's bathroom just said blah and the women's bathroom said blah 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 <laughs> that's funny it's true guys do not speak in the men's restroom and if or at least they're not supposed to and then one sign that I saw that I thought was pretty fitting for uh, central Kentucky was never mind the dog beware the owner and uh, that's probably some of you all need that sign because you have your own protection on the inside. Signs are supposed to communicate things. They're supposed to be clear, and they're supposed to give information. And sometimes the signs that we as a church give to the world as confusing, messed up, and sometimes just ridiculous, like some of these signs. Some of the things that we do as a church, some of the mixed messages sometimes that our Christian lives send to people that are looking to see how does the church, how does this family how does this christian represent jesus christ and do they send a clear message a clear picture of who jesus is our worship service this morning as we have been singing as we have considered how god is worthy of our praise too many times our focus is on everything else you came in here this morning perhaps thinking about 900 different things that you either have done or you need to do Sometimes we think about messed up relationships. Sometimes we think about uh, our job the next day or even later today. Sometimes we're, we're just so conflicted in our brains and in our hearts, and yet the Bible teaches us that if we're really going to send a message of who it is that we worship, our entire life has to have a razor-sharp focus on Jesus. Some of us think that's way too much to ask my life is too busy to put all of my focus on Jesus and yet our lives are too important to not put our focus on Jesus and when we do that everything about our life seems to come in line and Paul tells the church in this section of scripture this morning that we need to focus on Jesus in our worship and we need to focus on Jesus for our source of wisdom if your life is going to make a difference for Christ if our church is going to make a difference in this community, if your family is going to be a lighthouse where you live, then every moment needs to be focused 
on Christ. And Paul teaches us how to do that in God's Word this morning. If you found Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16, would you please stand if you're able to as we read this text of Scripture together. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through the end of the chapter says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you, in questions of food and drink or with regards to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we have come into this place to worship you. And Father, we are thankful for this corporate time that we set aside to come together as the body of Christ. Father, we are focused on you in this moment. But God, we pray that even after we leave this place, that our focus on Christ for worship and the wisdom to live by will only just begun. Father, that you would so saturate our brains and our hearts during this moment and that you would so convict our hearts that we can do nothing else except give you the glory and the praise that you deserve every moment of our life father may you open our hearts and minds during this time as we worship through hearing from your word we pray in jesus name amen you may be seated paul mentions to the church that christ is the focus he's been very clear about that all the way through the book of colossians teaching us that jesus is Every ounce of divinity, everything that makes God who God is, is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And because of that, the text we looked at last Sunday says, if we are found in Christ, if we have a life that has been rooted and planted in Jesus, then every aspect of our life should reflect the person of Jesus Christ. But here he specifically focuses on the area of worship and the area of wisdom look with me again in this text of scripture how first of all we can learn to stay focused on christ in worship how do we do that well look first of all at what we do in worship paul says to the church let no one verse 16 pass judgment on you in regards of food and drink paul was clearly a southern baptist or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath here Paul is laying out some elements of worship. He's talking about some functions that the church performs, some celebrations that they have. And he says, again, I really believe that Paul is Southern Baptist when he says, don't let anybody judge you for this stuff. In food or drink, I mean, clearly 
Baptists are judged all the time about how much we eat. This is called fellowship here. But he says, don't let anybody pass judgment on you. Now look at what some of these things are. He says food and drink, but he also says with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Now some of that stuff sounds kind of mystical. Some of it sounds sort of weird. But back in the first century, these are nothing more than regular times of worship and fellowship. Paul just gives them a name. He's talking about festivals, which could be just periodic times of, of celebration. Maybe as today we might do an old-fashioned hymn sing, or maybe a, a night of worship where we sing some modern praise songs, or maybe just a, a Bible conference that a church might host. He says, listen, don't let anybody judge you because you're hosting these festivals. He says a, a new moon uh, celebration. This is a monthly thing that when the new moon would come in, and of course they were a very agricultural society in Israel, and of course there were other celebrations where they would get together on a monthly basis, or even the Sabbath, their weekly time of worship. There are times in the church where we get judged because we're not doing it right. We didn't stand up enough. We didn't stand long enough. We didn't sit down a number of times. We didn't sing the right number of hymns. Easy now. Uh, we didn't go at the right time. We went at a different time. We didn't go in that building. We went into another room. We didn't, uh, you know, all of these elements. Paul says, listen, don't let other people judge you for these functions and these moments of worship and fellowship that you have as a church why is this so important he goes on to say in verse 17 he said these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to christ listen every time we get together and worship on a sunday every time we have bible conferences every time we have special times of fellowship Paul is saying in this verse, we're just practicing for what we're going to do in heaven. This is nothing more than just an opportunity every week for us to gather together in worship to do the one thing we're going to do forever in heaven. This is our opportunity when we fellowship together, when we get to know each other, that's what we're going to do for the rest of eternity, is spend time together. And what Paul says is the foolishness is when we begin judging each other or judging other churches or judging other Christians for what they do or don't do or how often they do or don't do, how much they stand up or sit down or sing this or sing that, how long the preacher preaches, well, that's just me. <laughs> that just hurts my feelings. But we start to pick apart all of these things, and Paul says these are a shadow of the things to come. But the most important part of verse 17 is he says, but the substance is Christ. Listen, if the sermon is about Jesus, does it matter if it's 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 40 minutes? If the song that we sing focuses on Jesus Christ, does it matter if it's too fast or too slow? If we stand up or sit down, does that mean that we're worshiping more if we do or don't raise our hands? No, Paul says, listen, all of that stuff is just a shadow of the things to come. The substance is Jesus. Friend, if you're worshiping Jesus, the most important thing is that you have a personal connection with God and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in 
Mark chapter, uh, chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. He said, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? Where it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. And in saying this, Jesus declared, all foods clean. Friend, it is what enters into our heart that causes us to be either clean or unclean. And if in our times of worship, if it becomes something that is no longer about Jesus, but it's about a personal preference of what we want to do and what makes us happy or gives us goosebumps, then it's no longer about Jesus. But if the substance is Christ, then he deserves all of our praise. If the substance is about Jesus, then we need to keep singing, then we need to keep hearing, then we need to keep worshiping and gathering together. It's just like a little boy was sitting next to his grandmother in church, and a lady was up on the stage singing. And as they were singing and singing a testimony and song she was hitting some off notes it wasn't uh, wasn't great and little boy kind of tugged on his grandmother and said nana she doesn't sing so good and his grandmother looked at him and she said well well honey she's singing from her heart which i think is a spiritual way of saying bless her heart you know i think that's what we say in the south well a couple of days later he was with his grandmother and she was singing a song in the car and and he just got a big smile, and he says, Nana, you sing from your heart, too. <laughs> you can relate to that, Mark, can't you? Whether we hit all the notes or we don't, if we get it all right or we don't, if we stand up or we sit down or we raise our hand or we don't, even if we squeal it out and sound like a stuck pig, if the substance is Christ, Paul says, that's all that matters. That's what our focus needs to be upon. Some of you keep your mouth closed in a time of corporate worship because you think you don't sing very well. Friend, the Bible literally does tell us to make a joyful noise. And when we lift our voice to the heavens, God is glorified when we praise him in our song. It is not the quality of the singer, it is the quality of their heart. And our focus needs to be on Christ. Listen to what Paul says in verse 18. He said, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism or worship of angels, going on in details about vision, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Listen, very simply what he's saying is, some folks are going to judge you on the quality of your worship because they're going to insist on some of these other aspects added to these times of worship like focusing on angels or special visions or some of these things and of course I'm I know that you are aware of some other believers or maybe even some other churches or you've had some conversations about how how the quality of worship is directly linked to some of these other things. But again, Paul brings us back to Jesus. And when the quality of our worship, when the quantity of our worship and what it is filled with is about Christ, he says, don't listen to these others. Why? Verse 19, because they are not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. 
What is your worship all about? The better question is, who is your worship all about? Do you walk into a place of worship hoping to be pleased? Or do you walk into a place of worship praying that your worship is pleasing to God? Do you walk into a place of worship and sit there with your arms closed and say, okay, give me your best shot, let's see what, it, see what it's like? Or do you open your arms and your heart to God and say, God, I want to give you the very best of what I am. I want to give you all of me. I, I want to worship you with every part of my life. Because that, friends, is saying that we are connected to the head, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and our focus is only on him. There was a corporal who, during Desert Storm, got disconnected and separated from his unit. And for 48 hours, he was alone in the desert, hiding in the sand and running around during the day and constantly moving around even at night, trying not to become captured. After 48 hours alone in the desert, he was finally relieved and... and taken by some allied forces. The very first thing they handed him was a jug of water, and he just began to drink like he had never tasted water before. And they asked him, you act like you've never had any water before in your life. And he said, for the last 48 hours, I was too busy running to remember that I was thirsty. And how many of you walk into this place every Sunday? absolutely dry and dusty because you're so busy with life you forget that your hunger and thirst should be for Jesus and even sometimes when we walk into this place to worship our hunger and our thirst is not for righteousness our hunger and our thirst is not for worship our hunger and our thirst is not for Jesus it's to be pleased it's to be made happy it's to see a performance and not to give our heart in true worship to the one true and living God you see thankfully our worship time isn't over yet so even if you walked in here with the wrong heart and the wrong attitude there's still time to pray to to the Lord Jesus and say God would you cleanse me of a heart that has not come to worship. We need to stay focused on Christ in worship. Second of all, the Bible tells us that we need to stay focused on Christ in wisdom. You see, our worship is what leads us through the week. Our wisdom is what we act on throughout the week. It leads us to have a life of worship. Notice what Paul says in verses 20 and 21. He says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to those things that perish as they are used. Paul again goes back to this aspect of worship, but this is more daily worship. This is more walking in wisdom in a life and in a relationship with Jesus. We go back so many times, he says, to those laws and those rules and those regulations for, as he called it, self-made religion. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, because we think that keeping those kinds of laws and regulations is what's going to make us holy. We go back to a list of do's and don'ts because that's what we are most familiar with what we struggle with 
is an actual growing relationship with Jesus where we're so dependent upon the Holy Spirit that God leads us through his word and through his spirit what we ought and ought not to do. Now see, that just becomes much more uncomfortable. What we want to do is we want to see a list of rules and regulations and as long as we make sure we don't do this, as long as we make sure we do that, then we think we are worshiping God. But Notice what Paul says in this text. He said in verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Why do you follow, in other words, this list of do's and don'ts, pretending that that's going to make you wise, pretending that that's how you honor God, pretending that that's how you are smart and you are holy and you are all that God desires for you to be? what we ought to do he says in verse 23 he says these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion friend for many many years people have been selling religion for many many years people have been promoting this do and don't this have and have not type of religion where you Follow a certain list of responsibilities, a certain list of do's and don'ts, and that's your religion, that's your connection with God. But what happens when you don't, when you're supposed to do? What happens when you do, when you were supposed to don't? All of a sudden then, that means that we lose our connection with God altogether. And that means we have to do more of the do's and less of the don'ts. And we have to stop doing more of the don'ts and start doing more of the do's. Do you see how this can turn you into a yo-yo on a string? But what the Bible says is when Jesus Christ died on the cross, all of those laws and regulations died with him. And he has set us free. In fact, even Peter struggled with the do not taste, the do not touch, do not talk to this person, do not talk to that one. And in Acts chapter 10, he saw a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven where God declared all meat clean. And praise God, because bacon's pretty good. That's worth having a festival for right there. Isn't there an apple and pork festival somewhere around? I don't know, there should be. But when God made all meat clean, he wasn't just talking about food, he was talking about people. And he used that analogy of the food to say, now you can taste it, now you can touch it, now you can have it, and in the same way that you're okay with slicing up some of this meat, in the same way now you are free to go and talk to these people who before you had nothing to do with. Because they were unclean, they were untouchable, you couldn't be in their midst. The Samaritan woman is a prime example of someone that Jesus wasn't supposed to talk to, but thanks be to God that he went above and, and passed all of those man-made laws and said, this woman needs a relationship with me. How many of you are thankful that Jesus touched your life when you were untouchable? How many of us are thankful to God that in spite of the amount of sin in our life, Jesus looked past all of that, died on the cross in our place and for our sin, and by his blood we are made free and made clean. 
Listen, we can follow all of the man-made laws and all of the religious do's and don'ts that we want to, but what, where there is freedom is where Christ is. We have been set free from sin. We have been made a new person in Christ. Paul says in verse 23, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. And then he says, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. We need something. And we need someone to make us holy before God. And it is not found in a list of do's and don'ts. Jerry Clower is one of my favorite storytellers. And Jerry Clower told a story about Uncle Versi and Aunt Pat driving their truck into town. And there was a fire that broke out downtown and the fire just went, took the building up in flames and nobody could do anything about it. The water didn't get there fast enough and the, the fire was just consuming the building. And all of a sudden, Uncle Versi and Aunt Pat and their old truck was coming down and they just split through the crowd and they had all their kids on that truck. They had Ardell, Burnell, Raynell, W.L., Anel, Odell, Udell, Marcel, Claude, Nugene, and Clovis all on that truck. And they busted right through the crowd and drove right up into the building. And Aunt Pat was telling them, stomp over here, come on over here, take the jacket off. And before they knew it, they put the fire out. The whole town was there watching and they just clapped and just couldn't believe and, and they passed a hat and they took a collection. They gave it to Uncle Versi and said, Uncle Versi, what are you going to do with all that money? He said, the first thing I'm going to do is get the brakes fixed on that truck. <laughs> Listen, God has handed you a prize worth the value of heaven. And he asked you, what are you going to do with it? And the first thing that we ought to do is to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to wash us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because that is what stops the root and the power of sin in our life. It is not our effort. It is not our religion. It is all about a personal relationship with God and my question to you today is do you have that relationship do you know for certain that what can stop the rampant run of sin in your life is the blood of Jesus Christ and have you trusted in God's one and only son to cleanse you of all unrighteousness friend if you've never given your life to Jesus if you've never trusted what he did on the cross for you, Jesus already died for the penalty of your sin. And what God is calling you to do is to receive it like a gift and allow a relationship with his son to cleanse you from all of your sin. If you've never made that decision, then today is the day to make that decision. And if you have, how dependent are you how focused is your life on Jesus in worship and in wisdom? How much is Jesus filling your life in your times of worship? How razor-sharp focused are you on him? 
How much is that relationship with Jesus every day keeping you from sin and bringing you closer to himself? How dependent are you on him? Listen, believer, if there are areas in your life where you're falling short and you're trying to get through life without the benefit and the blessing of a relationship with Jesus, then yield yourself to him today and say to God, God, I've tried all I can do and I can't. But I know that you can. And I want to allow you to do that today. Trust in Jesus that much more. Take one more step with Christ today. Allow Jesus to do a greater work in you today than he's ever done in the past. All of us have a decision to make. And I want to know, do you see what I see? Do you see what God sees? Do you see your life through the lens of Jesus Christ like God is looking at you today? Very simply, just turn your eyes on him. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to have had this time in your word and so thankful, God, to hear the timeless truth from how the Apostle Paul shared with this church and how your Holy Spirit has resonated within our, our hearts and our lives today. God, we know that on our own, we fall miserably short of being who and what you've called us to be. But God, we also know that your grace is sufficient for us. We know that the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than all of our sin. So God, we pray that there would be just one person here today that has never trusted in Jesus, your son. There's one person, Father, even listening on the radio who's never given their life to Jesus Christ. God, we pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that today would be the day they would give their life to him. God, if there are believers in this place who are struggling with giving up areas of their life and allowing a walk and a relationship with you to purify and cleanse them from unrighteousness, God, may today be the day that you set them free. Lord, we're so thankful that we can depend upon you no matter what. And we pray, God, that you would be glorified as we respond to you during this time of invitation, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.